0: Welcome to Sunday evening worship here at Broadway Baptist Church right here in the heart of Lexington, Kentucky, right here on Harrisburg Road and New Circle Road. And I tell you, this is the capital of the Bluegrass region. It's an area that the Second Great Awakening nearly 200 years ago, right up the road, it broke out. Revival broke out. Thousands of people were saved right up there in Bourbon County. There's one county next to us here. I share that because you're going to see revival and God's spirit move tonight in this scripture that we're going to read. A man named Paul was bold. He is going to stand before a group of the people called the Sanhedrin. And instead of shrinking back, he's going to boldly thrust forward and make the gospel known. And I think the message for us, wherever you're at, We need to remember that God calls us to be bold believers for Him. No longer do we need to be people shrinking back and being fearful and frightful of our government and from politics and from crime. We stand on God's Word. Will you join me in standing on God's Word? I think we're about to see some scripture that will speak truth in your life. I want you to pull out your Bible. Open up to Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22 and verse 22. We're going to be looking at several scriptures tonight. This is Paul. He's on trial. Paul is in Jerusalem. Paul has already been on his three missionary journeys. And he's here in Jerusalem. And he's about to boldly proclaim the good news. He's under Roman arrest. Roman custody. Yet, despite that, the Jews are trying to kill him because they don't like him. Because he knows the scripture so well. And he's preaching and boldly proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. And I think the principle for us today and what we see here is Paul, despite facing death, did not pull back. He pushed forward. And we need men and women like Paul today. Acts chapter 22, verse 22. They listen to him up to this point. This is the the trial he's on in in Jerusalem. He's under Roman protection. Then they raise their voices. This is the Jews shouting, Wipe this man off the face of the earth. He should not be allowed to live. He's, He's addressing the crowd as he's in custody. They don't like him. They don't agree with what he's saying because he just told them that Jesus is the Messiah. And he quoted the Old Testament. He showed from the scriptures how Jesus was the Messiah. As they were yelling and flinging aside their garments and throwing dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought back into the barracks, directing that he be interrogated with a scourge to discover the reason they were shouting against him like this. What that meant is you take the man and you tie him up to a post and you scourge someone with a rope, just like Jesus. A rope just isn't a whip. It has sharp glass and metal in it. And you would just sit there and beat the man until he told the truth. Eventually, they hoped you'd get the truth out of it. It would be 40 lashes minus 1. So 39 times Paul is scheduled to get scourged, a Roman scourge. Verse 25. As they stretched him out for the lash, Paul said to the centurion standing by, the Roman, Roman guard, Is it legal for you to scourge a man who's a Roman citizen and is uncondemned? Paul hasn't had a fair trial. He's had a mob trial. We see mob rule all over our country right now. First it was in Seattle. Now mob rule is trying to take over Washington, D.C. You can't rule by mob rule. This is the type of... how Jesus was arrested by mob rule. Jesus didn't receive a fair trial. The Jews stirred up the crowd against Jesus. They persuaded Pilate, who realized Jesus was innocent. Here... The Jews are stirring up the Roman centurion, the Roman officers, to have them scourged. Basically, an unfair trial. It's just a courtesy beating. We don't like you, sir. Let's Let's just whip them. So, Paul reveals that he's a Roman citizen. Which, that carries a lot of weight, being a Roman citizen. A lot of folks wanted to be Roman citizens. The commander came and said to him. Actually, verse 26. But when the centurion heard this, because he just told the centurion he's being tied up and he reveals he's a Roman citizen. He went and reported to the commander saying, what are you going to do for this man's a Roman citizen? Like we can't do this. It's illegal for us to scourge a man who has not. Receives a fair trial. Who's a Roman citizen. And then he goes on to say. Verse 27. The commander came and said to him. Tell me. Are you a Roman citizen? They're going to verify with Paul. It's like you have to say. Let me see your green card. Let's see your citizenship. And then Paul says. Yes. He said. The commander replied. I bought this citizen." Citizenship for a large amount of money. It was very common to buy your citizenship. But what what we see here, but I was born a citizen, Paul said. And that reason why is Paul very likely, remember he's from Tarsus, which is a, a Roman area. Just because you were born in Tarsus doesn't make you a Roman citizenship. His parents could have done something good. He was somehow born into this as a citizen. So that means his parents were citizens, especially his dad, and he received it from his father. Verse 29. Look what it says here. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him. Immediately they backed off because they realized, oh my goodness, this guy, he is is not just any citizen. He was a born Roman citizen. The commander too was alarmed when he realized Paul was a Roman citizen and he had bound him. He was frightened He was frightful even because he had bound him up. What do we see here? Paul, he is before this mob in Jerusalem. He's giving his testimony. And he's realized, I'm about to get beat. I'm about to get scorned. So what do I do? I need to reveal the truth that I'm a Roman citizen. Paul knew Roman law. He was extremely aware that what they were doing was unlawful and wrong. And I think the biblical principle for us today, what we need to know is that when we are in the presence of other people and we see something that's wrong, when you see an injustice, and that's what this is, an injustice, we need to speak up. Now, there's injustice all around, and we need to make sure that we're speaking up for injustice that's biblical injustice. Because a lot of the so-called stuff being taught today that's injustice according to the bible it's not injustice it's actually the the wrong thing to do we live in a time where right has been made wrong and wrong has been made right we as believers we as christians we speak up for the fatherless we speak up against injustice we speak up against racism we speak up for the poor christ calls us to be believers, just like Paul is realizing this is illegal, what you're doing. And this isn't the first time this has happened. If you turn back in your Bible to Acts chapter 16, look what it says. Acts chapter 16, verse 37. I have it up here on the board. Paul said to them, this is when he um, uh, received his beating in public. This is, this is in an area called uh, the church in a Philippi. They beat us in public without trial, although we are Roman citizens. And they threw us in jail. And now, they're going to send us away secretly? Certainly not. On the contrary, let them come themselves and escort us out. Paul knew again, here we are receiving an illegal, wrongful beating, and you just expect to gracefully let me go? Could you imagine being in the Lexington City Jail for years, wrongly, and then all of a sudden, evidence shows up after you've been beaten, after you've been locked away, and then evidence shows up that you're completely innocent, and then they just open the door and says, get out of here. Paul's attitude is, if, if you've treated me this bad, you're going to escort me out. One of the other reasons Paul asked for an escort out of there was because by being escorted out of there, it shows that he was, in many, in many ways, vindicated. That he certainly wasn't, he was innocent. And also the Jews, if they were waiting to mob him, if the Roman officers were right there, they weren't going to attack while they were leading Paul away. Okay, next section here in your scriptures. Once you turn your Bibles, Acts 22, verse 30. We're going to look here about Paul before the Sanhedrin. Now, this is an important scripture because this reminds us that Jesus was in front of the same group. Stephen was in front of this group. Peter was in front of this group. The Sanhedrin had a record record for making bad decisions, unjust decisions. That's very important you understand. The Sanhedrin is composed of two different groups. Politics today, you have your Democrats, and you have your Republicans. Now, we think that way, Democrat and Republican. The Sanhedrin, they had the Sadducees. The Sadducees probably would have been more of what I would call the Democrats. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees did not believe in, in, in angels. The Sadducees did not believe in a miraculous, miraculous events going on. Then you had what you call the Pharisees. The Sadducees were very, um, they, they would be your folks, they would be your people. That would be on the left. And then you had the Pharisees. The Pharisees were your legalists. I guess today if we could label them. They're the Republicans. That's who the Pharisees are. The Pharisees held to the letter of the law. They believed in a resurrection. They believed in angels. They believed in miracles. And that's why they struggled so much with Jesus. Because Jesus was fulfilling the scriptures. Jesus knew the scriptures, but the problem with the Pharisees was they were, they were legalist. So you basically you had, the, you had the liberal Sadducees, like today you have the liberal Democrats, and over here on the other side you have the, the legalist Pharisees, and you have the legalist Republicans. I mean, it's almost the same today, if we could put them in categories, although it's not the same, because for, for us today, The two categories are politics. For them back then, the thing they were fighting over, they were fighting over theological issues. And what's important about this, this group, the Sanhedrin, they're made up of this. They're composed of it. Remember, these people sentenced Jesus to death. He was sentenced to die. All right, follow along in your Bible. Acts chapter 22, verse 30. It says, the next day, since he wanted to find out exactly... Why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and instructed the chief priests and all the Sanhedrin to convene. He brought Paul down and placed him before them. All right, next verse is now verse 1. So we're in chapter 23, verse 1. But Paul, we're at the Sanhedrin. But Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, Brothers, I've lived my life before God and in all good conscience to this day. The high priest Ananias ordered those who were standing next to him to strike him on the mouth. So Paul got hit. Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Do you know what a whitewashed wall is? A whitewashed wall is really a dirty wall that's been washed white. It's like Sherry just painted the deck uh, two days ago, three days ago at our house. You have to pressure wash the deck before you paint it. So, even though the deck's dirty, you're, you're washing it off. See, a whitewashed wall, a whitewashed tomb, means it's going to get dirty again. It's outside. You know, anything outside obviously is going to get dirty. The deck from three days ago is already dirty again. So he's calling them, the inside is dirty. The deck needs to be painted. The wall needs to be painted. You just washed it off. You are sitting there judging me according to the law. And yet in violation of the law, are you ordering me to be struck? He's saying, you're violating the law. And that is, Leviticus 2 said the priest should not be doing that. Paul shouldn't have been offending the priest. And we'll see here why he possibly said that. And we'll turn a passage a little bit to show that in the book of Galatians. Verse 4, those standing nearby said, Do you dare revile God's high priest? I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, replied Paul. For it is written, you must not speak evil of a ruler of your people. It's amazing that when Paul... This is really amazing how well he knew the Bible. When Paul was rebuked for speaking against those that were in charge of him, what did he do? He actually quoted scripture to condemn himself. That's almost like... I tell a lie to you. You ask me what color this iPad is, and I say, oh, it's white. And then I confess and go, you're right. And then you say, no, you lied to me, unless you're colorblind. It's really black. Go, you're right. I did lie to you. And Do you know what the Bible says? Thou shalt not lie. I'm sorry. It makes no sense. You're quoting the Bible against yourself. And he quoted a Leviticus chapter 11. That just shows you Paul's knowledge of Scripture. That he even condemns himself when he's challenged on what he did. Because he was not supposed to strike the high priest. But we're going to show possibly why he did that. Because of his vision. When Paul realized that one part of them were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees. He cried out to the Sanhedrin. Paul's a sharp guy. He's one of those guys that he reads his audience. He knows He knows his crowd. He knows the people there. And he recognized, okay, I know what you believe. I know what you believe. And all of a sudden, I'm going to split the two. And he says, brothers, I'm a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I'm being judged because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. He's saying here in this scripture, I'm on judgment because I believe in the resurrection. Well, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, so they would side with Paul. The Sadducees didn't. This is almost like today, if this is what it would be like in a political mess today. This is, say, the House chamber in Washington, the Capitol. The Democrats are all over here, the Republicans are over here, that's your house. And then I stand up and go, You guys, you only know I'm on trial here in front of this house is because I support. President Trump. Well, the Republicans will say, "Well, we support him too. I like the President Trump." And the Democrats, they don't like him. That's literally what Paul has done. It's such a wise move. He he knew what they believed, and he went right down the middle to basically create a fight among themselves. And they're going to fight over the resurrection, just like Democrats or Republicans might disagree, or they do disagree, over the president and what he does. That's what he's saying. Verse 7. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, and neither angel nor spirit. But the Pharisees affirmed them all. The Sadducees are, are theological liberals. Meaning, they're what we would call the mainline denominations of today. They've drifted off to the social gospel. They've rejected the Sadducees, the authority of God's word. They have gone down a road that just leads you away from biblical truth. They they don't even believe in the resurrection. When the dispute became violent, the commander feared that Paul might be torn apart by them and ordered the troops to go down, take him away from them and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord said, and look at this main verse here. This is the encouragement from the Lord. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, God encouraged and strengthened Paul. Have you ever needed encouragement? Have you ever needed strengthening? This is what the Lord does. Have you ever been discouraged? God came to him at night, the Lord, this Jesus, and he says, Paul, have courage. For as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so it is necessary for you to testify about me in Rome. And that we know from Jerusalem, Paul will eventually go to Rome and will be a bold testimony to the people there. That's where the book of 1 and 2 Timothy is, or were written in Titus. They wrote that from Rome. And I think what's powerful and principle about this is God encourages us to have courage. What does it mean. To have courage. He's, that means Paul don't pull back. Just because they've turned against you. Just because no one is agreeing with you. Just because they don't want to hear it. That does not mean you stop. Just because today in 2020. No one might not want to hear. The, go- the gospel in God's word. But we don't pull back. We press forward. You know, Back in the 1950's. The Southern Baptist Convention. Had a big missions effort. And do you know what was named? Bold Mission Thrust. What a name. That's what they called it back 70 years ago. Bold Mission Thrust was to get Southern Baptists in the pews. Now we could say Southern Baptists at home. To go out and just everywhere they go, they live on mission for the Lord. Every opportunity you're given a gospel track. Every conversation you're trying to turn it. To a gospel conversation. Any and every way. To be a witness. And you be bold about it. God wants you and I. To have courage. And be bold believers. Don't shriek back. Don't be embarrassed. You need to be bold for the Lord. I'm going to put it up here on the screen. Going back to the passage. In um, Galatians. I want to reference this. Because what it is is Galatians three verses here, Galatians chapter four, verses 12, 13 and 14. Here's why I'm going to read this. It said that Paul struck that high priest. And one of the reasons, I think Paul possibly had bad eyesight. Do you have bad eyesight? Do you know how I got reading glasses when I was in third grade? And then when I was in fourth grade, I received permanent glasses. And I've had them since fourth grade. And then about two years ago, I got these things. It's like part of life. It starts out with reading glasses. Then you get contacts. Then even with contacts, you still get reading glasses again. I mean, it's just like your vision, just as you go through life, it gets worse and worse and worse. And then when I get older, I have cataract. So it's just part of the, 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 the deterioration. So Paul, you have to remember, too, Paul's not an old man, or he's getting to be an older man now. He probably doesn't have good eyesight. We don't exactly know, but look up here on the screen. It says, I beg you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I also became like you. You have not wronged me. You know that previously I preached the gospel to you because of a weakness of the flesh. Paul had a thorn in his side. We don't exactly know what that was, but apparently he could not see the high priest very clear. He could have just had poor eyesight. You did not despise or reject me, though my physical condition was a trial for you. And it could have been, he could have just struggled to see. Paul was one of those guys. This is, sounds embarrassing, but I now have the giant print Bible. That's what I use. And um, Paul maybe used, there's actually one, there's called a super giant print after this. Maybe Paul used the super giant print Bible. So he's walking around carrying this massive Old Testament, reading it. But that basically, even though I'm struggling with my eyesight, I can barely see. My physical condition—it was not a trial for you. On the contrary, you receive me as an angel of God, of Christ Jesus Himself. He's recognizing that even though I struggled with my vision, even though I use super giant print Bible. Even though I might walked with a limp, I had a thorn in my side. You didn't hold that against me. My handicap did not prevent you. Who in your life has a handicap that you're not listening to? Who in your life that you know maybe they're blind? Maybe they have mental illness. Maybe they're struggling with some other some other issue. Maybe they have struggled with alcohol. There's some type of struggle someone has. And God wants to use that person to speak to you. But a lot of times we write those people off. And we think, what can he teach me? He can't even overcome his drug addiction. Why would I listen to him? Many times it's the unlikely people that God raises up. I'll never forget. Back, oh gosh, 10, 12 years ago, I had to invite this guy to come preach at the church I was pastoring in Georgia. And the man was in a wheelchair. And I said, Brother so-and-so, I bet you receive a lot of preaching opportunities to go and, and share the gospel and go to different churches. He's just a great preacher. He was in a wheelchair. And he says, Daniel, you know, it's getting harder and harder. I go, I wonder why. He says, people don't. People won't say it, but I really believe they don't want someone with a wheelchair. It just takes so long to get in, with use the ramp, to get up on the stage. I mean, even here in our beautiful sanctuary, you know, unless somebody lifted him up, got some of the deacons to lift him up, he would have be preaching from the floor. And he says, that could actually hinder some of my opportunities to share God's word. But I want to tell you, that man spoke to me from that chair. I still remember his message. He shared about how he, was, he could not walk, I believe he was in a traffic accident, he'd been that way for decades. Yet God continued any and every opportunity to tell people about Jesus, proclaim the gospel at church. He did it, and he was bold. He never was apologetic, but he felt that his chair hindered his opportunity. Paul' saying. I want you to know I appreciate you, church in Galatia, that you still give me an opportunity despite my physical condition. Last three things, we're going to put them on the board here. Paul's strategy. Here it is. What did Paul do? Paul revealed his Roman citizenship. He had to pull out his citizenship card. He realized, I'm about to get beat. I'm an old man. I might not make it. So he knew that he, by saying he was a Roman citizenship, He would get get through this. Number two, Paul rebuked the high priest. The high priest was basically mocking him because he proclaimed that God appeared to him and that Paul believed in Jesus. Listen, Jews back then, they did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And Paul rebuked the high priest. And number three, He divided the Pharisees and Sadducees. He was very wise to do this. He recognized that he had to move. The the, the focus was attacking Jesus and attacking early Christianity. He had to change the conversation from Christianity to all of a sudden to let's argue and fight among ourselves. So we're not attacking Jesus. We're just going to bicker whether or not there's a resurrection. Do you know the sad thing, and final thing here, the sad thing about this? The Sadducees, the theological liberals, the Pharisees, they were the theological legalists. The Bible records some Pharisees coming to faith in Christ. But do you know, nowhere in the Bible do we ever once see a Sadducee Someone who rejected the scriptures coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And I believe that's true today. You start going down the road of rejecting Jesus, rejecting the authority of the Bible, rejecting the scriptures in your life, you will not be a believer in Christ. You cannot say, I dislike the Bible, I don't believe in the Bible, Yet I love Jesus. Scripture calls you and I to be believers, to be Christians that love truth. And what is truth? Scripture is truth. God's word is truth. Do you believe that? Have you trusted Jesus? Do you believe in the truth? We don't need to be a liberal Sadducee. We don't need to be a legalist Pharisee. Christ is calling us to be believers. I'm asking you tonight. It's the last Sunday in June. Sunday night church. I love Sunday night church. You pull your Bible out and you follow along the scriptures. God speaks to you. I'm asking you do you believe in the truth of Jesus? Is Jesus your Savior? I, give, I always give you an opportunity to respond online. And you can bow your head right now and pray and receive Jesus. I want you to close your eyes. Bow your head. Do you want to receive Jesus, I want you to say this prayer to yourself. God knows your heart. Dear Jesus, I want truth. I want the truth from Scripture. I want the truth from Jesus. Lord, I pray that you save me. I'm turning from my sins and believing and trusting in you. Lord, I receive you. I love you. Thank you for saving me tonight. God, do a new work in my life. I'm yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to look up. The Lord loves you. If you said that prayer, He doesn't just love you, He saves you. Send me a message. Message our church Facebook page. I appreciate your faithfulness to this church, faithful in giving. Your contributions, your giving to Broadway Baptist Church here in Lexington helps us stand. On God's word. Amidst so many other churches. So many other people. Are falling away from what saves them the best. I actually believe our message. That we're proclaiming here at this church. Is the greatest message for this city. And for our nation the world. This is what, peop- this is what saves people. Your revival starts. Just like that revival nearly 200 years ago. When we return to the truth of God's word. And that's what, that's what this, this city. This nation needs we experience revival thank you for joining us thank you for giving thank you for trusting in jesus i hope to hear from you i hope you have a wonderful evening i will see you again wednesday for our wednesday night bible study make sure you share this um, broadcast make sure you like it tell your friends about it every sunday morning sunday night and wednesday night you need to join me right here online studying and learning god's word god bless you